Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to all the things behind closed doors, but in front of open cameras. I am your very sketchy host, Jack, and thank you all so much for tuning in, especially after my really unexpected, very unwelcome break from podcasting. If you guys noticed there was an issue with playing my latest episode, that is why it's taken me so long to upload a new episode. Basically, I decided to try out a new podcast host, and then I forwarded my feed from my old host to my new host. And somehow, instead of just forwarding it, it actually messed up and duplicated my feed. So things stopped populating in Spotify. And then while it would populate in iTunes, it just wouldn't play it. It said it was unavailable. It, it was a really whole, it was a whole ordeal. Just a huge mess. And I spent countless hours with customer service people. Hopefully, now that I'm uploading this, it's because everything is working. We shall see. If not, I'm sorry, but also I'm still sorry just for the unexpected break. I was not <laughs> prepared for it. So in order to fix it, I decided to switch back to my old podcast host, but coincidentally, a couple different podcast hosting sites actually got hit with a DDoS attack. Beautiful timing. So long story short, IT issues happened. I was gone, but I think I'm back now. Dude, fingers crossed. <laughs> I miss talking about weird animals. I ended up having to resort back to discussing it at work, which is totally inappropriate. And I ended up in a car with one of the three most senior people at my entire workplace. So naturally, I had the brilliant idea to assault this dude with information about crabs and lobsters. Definitely not a good career move, but he did take it in stride. And that obviously means that he's getting me fired behind the scenes instead of to my face. Or that's what my anxiety tells me anyways. But this podcast is not about my job. This is about weird animals, as much as I apparently try to make my job about weird animals. So let's talk about them. Let's talk about tardigrades. Actually, the reason I'm talking about tardigrades is because somebody at my work told me I should. It's also the same person who stopped me at an elevator to be like, hey, gray squirrels, I hear they fuck weird. And then he left <laughs> while I stood there dumbfounded. He just did this in the middle of a hallway next to the elevator in front of people. <laughs> And so apparently my goal of making my workplace about biology is actually succeeding. <laughs> I'm just going to make a whole new podcast about my job and somehow I'll still tell you guys about weird animals. So today's animal story again is tardigrades, which is a weird name. They also go by water bears. And if you don't recognize the name, I'll upload a picture and you've likely seen the picture. If you still don't know what the hell I'm talking about, that is also okay. This is a place to learn. So now I'm going to teach you whether you like it or not. I hope you took that as a threat because that is how it was intended. Tardigrades are microscopic little whatevers. I'm going to say gods. They are microscopic little gods that scientists have incorrectly labeled as microanimals. At the end of this podcast, I will be collecting offerings to my new church of tardigrades. All proceeds go to erecting a golden tardigrade statue to scale. So tardigrade is actually a phylum of these quote unquote animals. There's about 1,300 species, but I'm just going to refer to them collectively because there's not too much variation between them to be significant for the sake of the episode. Although, to give you an idea of how broad a phylum is in terms of taxonomy, the phylum chordate is a phylum that includes every single animal on the planet with a spine. There's less variety than there is in the chordate phylum. You're just, you're not going to confuse a platypus with a shark. Or maybe you do because you're just that bad at animals, but... You've come to the right place to learn. <laughs> 
But my point was that I'm not going to sit here and tell you the differences between the Hypsivius dujardini tardigrade and the Echiniscus sacinius heterotardigrade are substantial. They're not. They both look like microscopic mole rats bred with mealworms. Or they also kind of look like little maggots, in my opinion. They're just segmented animals with eight legs that each have little claws and just kind of like a, a telescopic little nose mouth looking thing. The segmented body with eight legs threw me off though because that makes me think it's gotta be an insect, but it's an animal, not insect, an invertebrate micro animal slash God. What's great about them is that even though they're microscopic, they're still big enough that you can view them with a low power microscope. The kind that you don't need like a gazillion dollars for, which means you can actually view them at home with something you bought at like microscopes.com. <laughs> I don't know where you buy microscopes. I don't have one. I have the opposite. I have a telescope, which is awesome, by the way. I got it for Christmas. I might have to put microscopes on my Christmas list this year. So tardigrades are found everywhere, just fucking everywhere. I'm serious. Sand dunes, the deep sea, on barnacles, Antarctica, rainforests, on top of the Himalayas, every single biome on Earth. And you know what? Even off of it, tardigrades have been to space. Have you ever been to space? What are you doing with your life that a tardigrade is an astronaut and you're not? You could probably find them in your backyard if you end up buying that microscope I accidentally gave free advertising to. The only thing they need is a, a thin layer of moisture so that they can travel by swimming. Sort of swimming. Yeah, swimming. Yeah swimming. So they actually make perfect pets for young children because the reason they can survive in any biome is because they're fucking impossible to kill. Why? Because they are gods and the gods are immortal. So when your kid forgets to feed their new pet for the 76th day in a row, the water bear won't care, which they probably will forget realistically if they can't actually see it. But who cares? Not tardigrades. Some scientists have dedicated their careers to murdering tardigrades, which is a noble pursuit. When the tardigrades bring upon our day of reckoning, we will need to be prepared. But they have had little success. Tardigrades have been subjected to extreme cold or heat, extreme pressure, no pressure, radiation, dehydration, starvation, suffocation, to no avail. The only true way to guarantee killing a tardigrade that I found is by eating it. Their flesh cannot withstand stomach acid. So keep that in mind for the tardigrade apocalypse. I am of course exaggerating because I am overly dramatic for no reason, but I'm not exaggerating as much as I should be. Scientists can and have killed tardigrades using some of the methods I just listed above, just not remotely effectively. So technically, yeah, your kid can kill their tardigrade by forgetting to feed it, but they're able to enter this state called cryptobiosis, where their metabolism drops to about 0.01% of its normal rate and their body's water content drops to about 1%, basically a super severe form of hibernation. So they hang out, waiting for conditions to be more favorable so they can rehydrate and resume life as normal. So as long as that happens within about a 30 year window, they're good. So your kid can forget a lot of days in a row. Although water is more important to them. Like I said, they do need a thin layer of moisture. They can survive only about five years without water. On the other hand, temperature can be a relatively effective way to kill them. Not compared to stomach acid, but you know. <laughs> like I said, they can survive extreme temperatures that would kill other animals, but eventually, yeah, it'll get to them. For reference, a human in a car at 125 degrees only has minutes to survive, but a tardigrade can withstand that for about a day. So they're not immortal, just harder to kill with normal killing methods. 
They're never going to flourish in those extreme conditions I mentioned, like some animals have adapted to taking advantage of. Their skill is enduring those conditions long enough to get to more ideal conditions, which is the main reason they've survived since before the dinosaurs. <laughs> They're fucking old. So the primary takeaway here is that gods are mortal and we can kill them. Amen. That concludes today's sermon by the Church of Tardigrades. I'm kidding, we have more to talk about. We obviously still have to discuss the life-size statue made of gold. Fortunately, it won't cost too much money because like I said, tardigrades are small. The largest ones are almost 0.05 inches in length, which is 0.127 centimeters for people sensibly using the metric system. You guys totally win that one, I'll admit it. But you are still fucked up about Celsius. Why would you use that for weather? What the fuck? What's interesting about them though is their cells. I mean, aside from everything else that's super interesting about them. Each adult tardigrade of the same species has the exact same number of cells as the tardigrade next to it, which is super crazy. Even two identical human twins don't have matching numbers of cells. But for tardigrades, it's a preset number. Naturally, there's a term for it. Of course, there's a term for it, which is utily. <laughs> that doesn't even sound real. It's E-U-T-E-L-Y. So eutelic organisms grow initially by cell division, which is normal, you know, we've all heard of that, I think. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a primary way for things to grow. So you start with one cell and it divides into two cells and then to four and then eight, you get it. But once they reach their max number, which is only a couple thousand, by the way, they stop replicating. And then they continue to grow by cell enlargement, not cell division. It's not a common method at all. And for the few others that do it, it's only animals that are similarly small to the tardigrade, you know? Although sometimes humans actually go through cell enlargement, but that's more of like a, a medical problem that needs to be fixed. So before they go through all of that cellular growth, they gotta start off as a baby. And in order to be a baby, you gotta be born. And in order to be born, your parents gotta have sex and make you. So let's talk about how they do that. But first, let's all marvel at how brilliant my segues have gotten. I really feel like I've improved. You guys are so welcome. So there's a bit of variety depending on the species. Some tardigrades reproduce asexually via parthenogenesis. If you remember, what episode did I mention that in? I don't remember. But basically the whole, you know, Virgin Mary, no fertilizing sort of asexual reproduction, right? It's where the females just lay eggs without any help from the males and no help from the males because there are no males at all. Just, it's an only female population. I'm inclined to say that sounds like a boring life, but then I think of bed bugs and I think I prefer never getting laid. But there are species that reproduce with good old fashioned sex, although they don't use their mouths, which is really disappointing because they have cool telescopic mouths. They push their teeth out to grab food. And if you're thinking of the slick, black, awesome xenomorphs from the alien movies, that's exactly what they do. <laughs> Did you think that xenomorphs weren't real? They are, just super small. <laughs> Disappointingly, the tardigrade is actually not the inspiration behind xenomorphs, just the accidental one, I guess. Apparently the actual inspiration might have been the Fronima parasite, mostly because of the chest bursting thing. But back to tardigrade sex. For the ones that actually have sex, bisexuality occurs in many tardigrades. Put that on your pride flag, superimposed. Considering how I said they travel by essentially swimming through, how would you call it, microspace? I don't know, whatever. Well, it makes sense that they fertilize eggs outside of the body like a fish. I guess, I'm reaching to be honest, nothing at all makes sense, ignore that. 
A team of researchers from the Senckenberg Museum of Natural History in Germany caught the species Isohypsivius dostichi on film, like the pervs that they are, and they published their findings in the Zoological Journal. In this particular porno, according to them, mating included mutual stimulation that preceded semen ejaculation and egg deposition. That means foreplay. <laughs> Tardigrades do foreplay, and in a manner where both parties get to benefit. Equal partner lovers, so your sex partner or partners have no excuse to leave you unsatisfied if a microscopic maggot knows it's important. Excuse me, micro-animal. Two tardigrades will mate during one of their molting periods when they shed their cuticle, kind of like a, a lobster or a cicada. The eggs are laid within that soon-to-be-disposed-of cuticle, and the male gets into a sex position. The proper tardigrade sex position is to put your partner in a headlock. Not kidding. <laughs> After the hour-long stroking and poking foreplay, the male ejaculates his semen into the female's outer layer of skin. Just which doesn't really sound enticing to me, but I guess my opinion isn't relevant in other people's bedrooms, so whatever. He ejaculates into her shed skin. But if something happens and the male can't keep it up, or he gets taken away somehow, the mating doesn't actually end up happening, the female just reabsorbs her eggs, which has me imagining reabsorbing a period, and I am not enjoying the imagery at all. <laughs> Fortunately, there is still so much left to learn. We don't yet understand how this semen, which is ejaculated outside of the female's body, finds its way through the shed skin cuticle thing to the eggs to fertilize it outside of the female's body. Or if there's even a purpose behind their foreplay other than just feeling good, and why is it an hour long? <laughs> but clearly, the science is in good hands. That concludes today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it, and thank you guys for being so kind and understanding while I deal with these technical issues. <laughs> you guys are the best, and I love you. Bye!